Oh, there, yeah. Oh, yeah, it's not streamlined. <clears throat> Good morning, coffee moaners. How are you? And I believe that we have some special guests with us today. Oh, my mum and dad here. Mum, I was just doing an Instagram and uh, Faith said that you were on here. Oh. Um, so I hope so. I was just talking to my mum and dad. They're out in Jordan. They're hi, on, Betty. Hi, Teddy. And it's warm. It's 34 degrees. They're looking over the Dead Sea. And um, yeah, it was really good to see them. Um, welcome. How are you all doing? Good morning. And, and a huge happy birthday to Tori. Exactly. We know it's your birthday. It's Tori's 40th birthday. Honestly, she looks 14. Yeah, I have say. never seen anyone look. Wow. It's nowhere near their age. No. Like Tori. And she has three children. Yeah. So we'll sing you a happy birthday at the they end. They need to Tori. bottle whatever you've got. Oh and my sell God. It. And so beautiful. And then inject it into your eyeballs and then into your earlobes. She's and that a beautiful would be really helpful. Um, morning, everyone. So happy, big happy birthday to Tori. Everyone sing, sing happy birthday to her, metaphorically or literally or spiritually. Um, Ellery just said, I can't believe it. I just spoke to Teddy. Oh, <laughs> oh how lovely. See, Mum and Dad, they love you. We've got to get Teddy doing some. Um, some No Name Sunday shows. We yeah. need, to, we need to, uh, him to beam out Absolutely. from Jordan. Absolutely. Sending you both love. Thanks, Betty, for your missives. Your missives, quite, quite literally, from, from the front line. So <laughs> I, I think, are we going to do the usual sort of structure now where we yeah. park the... Uh, we park the sort of Israeli-Palestinian crisis slightly towards the end um, for those who are of a sort of... Uh, slightly, you know, sort of, you know, exhausted, maybe traumatised. You know, sometimes not want to engage with it is not about not wanting to engage with it. It's also about self-preservation so yeah. as well. Some people just want to engage in it in their own way. Yeah, and that's yeah. where we're different from a news programme. We're not. We hang out together, we chat about the news, we chat about all sorts of things. Yeah. So we will be talking about Israel and Gaza at, towards the end and we'll give you a warning if you want to leave. Can I can I start with with the the killer killer question I want to ask everyone? Our dinner party's dead. No. I want to ask a question that's not actually in the in the headline. Do you we with the door open? Is this an article? This is an article. This is a piece in the mirror. Uh, this is a this is actually someone on social media who saw someone else, a mother. Weeing with the door open, it seems to be something that women and girls do more. You often wee with the door open and we'll have a conversation with the girls in the hall. Yeah, I think it is maybe a more a female thing. We sort of run in, run out, don't we? We're just having a conversation. Like if it's a girls' night out, you'll you'll just you'll be going to the loo the whole time and talking to each other. Quite a few people saying yes here. Yeah. You, you wee with the door open. And okay, any mums of sons, would you wee with the door open with your son? Too? Maybe it's because you don't really see anything because you're sitting down. There is that. There is that. There's some some men do sit down. Um, I, I'm always amazed when we watch these shows like Sunset, Selling Sunset, when they have toilets sat opposite each other in these oh, kind of. Oh dear God! Can you imagine that? Taking a poo together. You've got a. Okay, let's not get too close. Well, My let's, mother's let's, on. Let's name it. She'll turn off. You know she will. Uh, what? And this is the mother of Dina. Why don't we show your mum the uh, <laughs> toilet rolls that Dina bought us over there? Mum, the, the first signs of Christmas, Betty. Oh, by the way. I'll show you all actually. Lee. This is classic, my sister. <laughs> Puda. Raindar. Puda. Oh, Puda. Puda. Puda, the red brown. She's nose. always the first to bring in Christmas toilet paper. Has so he got a very shiny a... arse? Oh, okay. 
Um, very... Okay, moving on. <laughs> I think I think Betty knows the, the score when it comes to uh, the curly cook. So yeah, so this is this is a woman who um, this is actually about a woman who was mortified when she discovered that other families are very okay and very happy and comfortable with uh, you know more often than not the mums, as you rightly say. It's not it's not really dads, though. I have to say I've never had a dad. But when um, I was younger and I had sort of father figures, and it would be a grandfather or something, they you used to go to the loo, they'd try and talk to you while standing at a urinal and it would make me oh, freeze I up. Like I, I hate that. Oh, I'm a very I shy like weir. Mm. I, can't, I can't do the whole, you know, these kind of, these things that you get at festivals and um, in the street, actually, in Covent Garden, where you're supposed to go up and just wee. I hate those ones on the can't train. I always feel like the door's going to just suddenly open. Yeah. Gross. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, what's our next topic? <laughs> okay, dinner parties. Let's talk about dinner parties. Because your mum was probably, by all accounts, having looked at the book that, that Dina showed us in one of the Curly Cooks, was probably one of the greatest dinner party hosts I think I've ever heard of. Well, right? if you missed the Curly Cooks um, a few weeks ago where we did it, just like a special one on my mum, <laughs> Dina found my mum's like dinner party diary and the detail in there. Like, who was late, what somebody might have left and not liked, what wine they drank, how many bottles of water they drank. I mean, it was quite acerbic quite about people who didn't drink anything. Extraordinary, <laughs> yes. Dave didn't drink didn't anything drink again. Thing. And then Dave disappeared for quite a while. He wasn't invited Maybe he went back. into rehab. <laughs> <laughs> Dave, wasn't, Dave wasn't made welcome again. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, so the dinner party... Well, this article actually begins by... Talking about how, as a single person, this person was not invited to dinner parties when all the couples were invited, which I thought was just awful. And I think we just have to be a bit kinder to single people, like Dina says. You know, like she'll get invited to a party and she hates going on her own. Mm. Mm. And I, it really made me think, I think now, if ever I invite a single person to anything, I'm always going to say, where it is like couples, and bring somebody with you. Mm. Because if she had yeah, a partner, with you, yeah. it would be her and the partner, wouldn't it? Yeah. But I... people tend to either not invite you if you're single, or, or just want you to come on your own. Can I just ask a question, though? I mean, the whole thing that you've just sort of said, are people that formal with friends? I mean, do they go, you know, I mean, I, when I read this article and, and they were sort of saying, you know, people, people invite couples and you invite a couple. I mean, are you really good? How, how informal will that dinner party get if it's so formal that you don't include someone who's a very good friend simply because of the single. digit of someone else not sitting next to them? Well, I think it's very much a class thing. It's very much a age thing. Um, apparently, Gen Z or Gen X, whatever the next one is, are having more dinner parties. But is the dinner party a thing of couples? Lee Durrant says, I'd love to be invited to a dinner party, but I'm afraid I'll be single forever. Is, is that a thing? Is a dinner parties about couples? I don't necessarily think they are, really. I remember going to dinner parties. They weren't dinner parties, but they were gatherings around food, because not many That's people had That's a dinner, dinner party. No, no, I know, but when I was a student and a young adult, people didn't have tables, you know, we were all kind of in digs. <laughs> So you'd have sort of like takeaway well, on the floor. that's going around for a nosh up then. That's not a dinner party. Yeah, but, okay, but what, that wasn't couples, was it? What does signify a dinner party? I think oh. a dinner party is something where, you know, there's there's beautiful food made, there's a table laid. I'm going to show you something. There's, there's um, you know, people are invited and they come within a half hour yeah. window. It's like a time gone by. And I did grow up with a lot of dinner parties around. Hello, come in. Hi. Hi there. <laughs> 
Yes. Oh, <laughs> That's Sorry. a dinner party. That's a dinner party. <laughs> That's a dinner party. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't think I could do that. You know, I think dinner Hovering parties are nice, the kitchen but sink. the risk with them are the people that stay too long. And my, a friend of mine was telling me that they had this dinner party, right? And a cup, this, the, two or three people just weren't going and it was so late. It was getting to like half past one in the morning. And then she said, would you like a coffee? And they said, yeah. And she made it in a takeaway cup. I always thought... Oh, <laughs> she made funny. it in a takeaway a good, cup. It's quite a good device. I mean, I've never been oh, afraid. Nadia always gets a little bit blanched by me because sometimes I'm, I'm never afraid, actually, after a certain point to say, oh, shall we... Um, would you like a lift to the station? Because <laughs> I'm not drunk. I can always offer a lift to the station. And of course... Which is a nice thing Which is a nice do. thing to offer, but you can bake within it a sort of... But here's the other thing. I think when people stay a little too long at a dinner party, I always worry, maybe this is partly what I experience, by stealth, <laughs> I also think it's going to turn into a sort of swingers party. So I get very concerned. Oh. I really want people to go, because the longer people stay, you sort of think, Where are you, what are you thinking in terms of sleep here? Mm. Are you thinking about sleeping here? Because that ain't that wasn't on the table. Yeah. Well, maybe, maybe, people, the table. maybe people should go back to dinner parties with a time. So it's from 7 until 11. That's so formal again. I don't know, but maybe it's night. There's nothing that's formal anymore, is no, there? No, no, but I mean, that for, it's like sometimes people are in relationships and they literally sit opposite each other with a knife and fork. Come on. Yeah. Really? I mean, maybe we're so informal, we need to be more formal. I mean, I've arranged something for us to do on Saturday evening, which is quite formal. And I'm slightly worried about how formal it is. Oh, God. Yeah. Carriage is at 11, says Faith Goodman. That's a nice way of putting it. But Does anybody here have um, dinner parties anymore? Well, a couple of people there were saying that since COVID, it's kind of gone out the window. Mm. Um, and, and, and I guess it's quite expensive now, isn't it? Feeding yeah, lots of people. It actually is. And I think just that... But apparently there is a certain generation, X or Z, I can never remember, that are increasing that because they're drinking less. Right. So they're like having a cocktail that they make all beautifully and they're doing lovely right. food. Because actually to go to a restaurant is so expensive. Yeah. So people are clubbing together mm. and then a bit like, um, what's that show where people made food? Come dine with me. Come dine with me. Doing a bit of a come dine with me. So rather than going to a restaurant, which like the most basic of restaurants, I mean, you can go to Nando's, how much will that cost you? Do you know what I hate? It's a I, fortune. I hate the kitchen island chit-chat when people arrive. You do that sort of initial, you take that, I just did the arrival with the wine. And then when you're the host, you take the wine. I never quite know what to do with the wine. I don't know whether you, you should, you look like you're storing it and then giving them something yeah. else or whether you offer to open their wine, but then you look like a grabber. And, and, and then you're chatting there and then usually you're, you're kind of pulling together the volivons or something like that. And then, <laughs> and then you're, I'm sort of standing there and there's a sort of social kind of acrobatics that goes on, a meaningless chitter-chatter until we can all get to the table and use the God, first God, it all place. sounds so horrific. But does, is Nigella saying it's over then, the dinner party? I think Nigella doesn't even like cooking anymore. Well, I think Nigella, yeah, I think Nigella has, has, has suggested that. I think she's, uh, she's updated her dinner party style to include twiglets as a starter. I oh, know, that's all she's done. She's still having, <laughs> she's having dinner parties, but she's offering twiglets. Oh, I mean, that's, a, that's an insult. One of my favourite meals. Twiglets. Soft-boiled eggs with twiglets dipped in. Take that shit and shove it somewhere else. Ooh, okay, well, let's talk about something else that's almost like a digital form of a dinner party for some people. This is the WhatsApp group. Who's in a WhatsApp group here? Who's in too many WhatsApp groups here? 
Who oh. doesn't know how to leave a WhatsApp group? Yes, I found out yesterday you can mute a WhatsApp group and nobody needs to know that you wow. muted it. Because I am in some WhatsApp groups that I just think, oh God, I just can't listen to one more of these comments. Are you? <laughs> And I just think, oh, well, that'd my That'd be why I've God. had no replies on those two. Oh, I mean. my God, yeah. WhatsApp groups. But we are really lucky. Obviously, our kids were homeschooled. So we never had the school WhatsApp group, which apparently, I hear this all the time at Loose Women from various Loose Women, is exhausting because it gets quite competitive. And also from reading, and, reading this article that's in The Independent, which is kind of like a send-up, it's an opinion piece. It's, it's quite funny. It talks about all the kind of fra uh, fractured offshoots of the original WhatsApp group becomes like yes. three from one will peel off into another and then peel off into another and peel off into another. Yeah. Um, so I think we get a little sense of what it must be like to be very young and be in that social media world where things go off without you and sna yeah. Snapchat conversations or like, or there's a social that you just suddenly see on on, on your posted on Snapchat or in, Snapchat or Instagram, I think the equivalent of that is split off WhatsApp. I mean, you have thousands. I, I have a few. I mean, I, I get. Don't I don't have thousands. No, no, no. Well, you have more than me. I mean, but, but uh, you know, uh, I created quite a few recently, and it was quite interesting uh, for this project we were working on. And and then I said, right, I'm going to close down this WhatsApp group. And a, a few people were like, oh no, don't. And I'm like, well, it's only because I figured I'm hassling you if I if I post it. The only thing I take offence with is that we have our own family WhatsApp group, but there's one member of the family that never. Give me a <laughs> oh, no. What did you do? Like, are you a member of the fact? Yeah. She goes, oh, yeah, I do see it, yeah, but, but I just don't. She doesn't even open them. And there's a thing, isn't there, where you can see, I think you can, some youngsters see the WhatsApp message and, and just choose not to open it because they don't want to send the signal that they've read it. Don't they do this sort of thing where they can kind of look at it without looking like it? Something like that. Yeah. Now, I, I feel really bad. I, my WhatsApps, they fly down really fast, so I don't attend to them quickly and I don't ever think to go all the way back to have a look and then I'll discover, you know, there'll be a message from someone and I'm like, oh, mate, no, God, I've, I've missed that. And so I've, all I feel around WhatsApp is constant guilt. Oh, my God, look at this. Laura Lou, one mum in the school, mum's group, posts images of her son no. doing his homework. No. Oh, my God. Why am I so shocked by that? Not only am I shocked by that, but Lee, you have all my empathy here because you're in a WhatsApp group in which you're talked of in the third person. He's in a WhatsApp group called Lee's Health. <laughs> <laughs> and you're in the WhatsApp group. That's what we should have for us, That's Mark's mental so, state. Yeah, Mark's mental health today. Yeah, Nadia's hormonal shift. We could, have, we could have a little kind of... I love that offshoot. Um, a young relative of mine is refusing to add me to a family chat, says Julie. Luckily, I could communicate separately with her mum, my cousin, on WhatsApp. Um, Victoria Moore, yes, Shazia. They are the worst WhatsApp groups, sending their kids school pictures. We don't need to see them. I see your kids every really? drop off and pick up. And why, what, what, goes, I mean, what goes on <laughs> Ellen, head? Ellen, I'd post a picture if my 11-year-old did any homework. <laughs> <laughs> How do you leave a WhatsApp group? What does it mean to you when you, when you, you said something quite funny the other day when you said, I, I look at people who leave WhatsApp groups and I think... Well, the thing is, I always think people are brave when they leave yeah. a WhatsApp group. There are some WhatsApp groups that I want to leave, but... I suppose I judge them by the way that I feel, and I, I'm like, oh, you left the WhatsApp group. Yeah. Why, why have you left the WhatsApp? Is it? It always feels rude, though. Yes. Though, am I rude for wanting to leave the WhatsApp group? No, I just like I'm not interested in some of the, yeah. the stuff that's coming through. 
But I, the reason I don't is because I judge people that do. Someone texted me the other day, well, someone messaged me the other day, privately, not on the WhatsApp group, and said, I'm leaving the WhatsApp group because I don't work for you anymore. And I was like, that was incredibly descriptive and very factual. Yeah. And that was the point at which I went back to the main WhatsApp group and said, this WhatsApp group will be terminating in several days. I mm. felt really bad. I felt like I pulled a rug from them. Yeah, but somebody, a WhatsApp group I, 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 once, I once made up, somebody left, and it was a perfectly, it was quite a, it was something in particular that needed to happen. And then they said, oh, I am now going to leave. As I've answered this, I'm now going to leave. I'm not going to lie. I was Relieved. Devastated. De devastated. No, even oh. though I knew. Right. There was no point. It was a particular event. It was something that I'd asked for. And there was, a, but when they left, it was like wow. they'd walked out and slammed the door in my face. Which is a bit like, yeah, right. Okay. Yeah. So maybe I was a little bit sensitive. Right. <laughs> Yeah. What do you make of the, the thing when people have seen your message but don't say anything? I find that the most infuriating thing. I think this, I think the, I don't I think because the, I know that myself I can see something and then I'm doing something else and so I don't answer or I or I don't want to answer it quickly so I need to think about it. Right. So no it doesn't because yeah. I understand the sort of Yeah, I don't. I don't the speed I, with it which we can What I've got to do is stop opening things. I've got to not read anything till I'm in a position to answer it. Because, like, I might be doing something here and then go, oh, what's that? But I'm off to do something else. So I'm not going to answer it or open an email and then in my head I've answered it, but I never have. It's a mess. That's, that's, that's good. That's good. Because I think what happens is for the person who thinks that someone else has read something, they think, oh, right, they're really sort of caustic or they're ghosting me or they're annoyed with me, whereas actually it's just they haven't had time to get around to it. I think that's, that's the one part of WhatsApp that stresses what me out. What about this question? Is it impolite to just make a WhatsApp group without asking somebody? Because oh. I've never asked anyone when I've made a WhatsApp group. Oh, no, that's classic you. That's, that's Are you like, supposed to ask people first? That's classic. That, I'll tell you what that's equivalent to with you. That is like... And this, this, is, a, this is a bait noir for me, this. When you're going to phone someone, and it might be someone I might know, or it might be someone I might not know, but I, I'm not making the decision to call them yeah. at that point. And what you do is you take everyone with you on your phone call that you're going to take by putting on open talkback, so they will hear just the bristle of my... Maybe that's but, because most of the time don't... I'm on the phone, you go, what? No, 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 no. That's what? Not, no, so I just go, well, let's listen no, to no, it. No, 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 no. <laughs> Sometimes you really do. You want every, every, so you open it up, but you don't ask. But I think you should ask people. I yes, you you're right. I won't do that anymore. It's, it's, it's pushy. I won't do that anymore. Right, dead and donut burger. Um, oh, I'll party dead. Sorry, donut and burger. Donut, donut burgers. burgers in the Crosstown bur. Is the Crosstown burger London's weirdest dinner? I want to, I want to take the girls and so I want to try this. Mum, what do you think of this? This is, well, this is a piece in the evening standard. This is, uh, you know that place, Burger and Lobster? I think that's the place mm -hmm. in Leicester Square, wasn't it? Mm -hmm. We once went to. They've introduced something called the Donut Burger. And it has, it's a fully functioning burger with bacon, blue cheese, red onions and all the rest of it. But it's topped and tailed with fully glazed donut top and bottom. No. What do you think? No. I'm sorry, there is no way that works. Now, if they used the softness of those donuts, but without the sugar, then yes, because there's nothing lovelier than a really soft dough with a squidgy, juicy burger. But sugared donut. I mean, really now we have reached okay. the level of ludicrousness that we're putting sugar on donuts. Right. But isn't it Sugar's that whole idea of sweet and sour? No. Is it not the, the... It doesn't work. 
It's not like a salted caramel. Well, this, okay, well, this, this food critic says it oh. wasn't the sick-making monster they thought it could be. Oh. Um, on a stomach filled with nothing more than two strong drinks, I'm confident I could polish a whole one off. Um, he, he, he or she suggests that actually they do a very good job of keeping quite a bit of distance because they have three meat patties with a... With a but I, I think it might be quite nice. So was he a non-believer and then when he yeah, tried it, he, said he was it wasn't like, half as horrific as, as he thought. I mean, when I think back to, like, you know, before we were so Americanised here and you'd see, like, Americans having bacon and pancakes and maple syrup and I think, oh, my God, mm. how gross is that? And now I wouldn't think twice about it. It's delicious. Bacon right. and maple syrup together is delicious. Yes, yeah, yeah, I think on the same basis. For, uh, yeah, bacon and maple syrup, that's a good, good combo example. Red's Barbecue did a donut burger about 10 years ago, says Rachel FH. I tried it out of curiosity. It was actually really nice, but just overpriced. Cambo, the donut burger originated at Red's again, uh, but it, it works strangely. I think well, we should try this on the Curly Cook, says Lee. Okay, Let's well, we do could it. do that. I mean, we have to get those crosstown, it's crosstown donuts. We'll get some. No I'll get some. sweet with my savoury, says Naomi Proverbs. I'll get some donuts because I think I'm in town on Friday. If I can get some crosstown donuts, I'll have a go. Hilary Daly, you're absolutely right. It's the, it's like the American breakfast, isn't it? It's the sweet mm. and it's the savoury, not the sweet and sour, but the sweet and the savoury. I mean, we have <laughs> pork with apple sauce. Precisely. Absolutely. And lamb with mint sauce. Absolutely. Peanut and jello. But it's just that. That very, very sweet glaze top to a donut. Oh, I, I don't know. It gets me excited. Oh no! Yeah, I sent, I sent again. I sent it to the family WhatsApp group. Just, just me and Maddie replied. I reply to myself on the WhatsApp group now. <laughs> um, it's pretty sad. So um, we are going to first sing Happy Birthday to Tori, and then we're going to move on to um, the war and talk about the war. So stay for Tori's Happy Birthday, and then if you want to leave, that would be your time to. So first of all, happy birthday to you, happy birthday to you, happy birthday dear Tori, happy birthday to you. Remember, you're a fabulous, fabulous woman and a fabulous mum and a fabulous really wife are. and a fabulous daughter and daughter-in-law. Have a beautiful day. Have a gorgeous day, you Scorpio. <laughs> Don't sting yourself. <laughs> sting others. <laughs> Um, yeah, let, I, sorry, I had Suella Bravman's face up for a minute there, and it just was, it was, I found it offensive, if I'm brutally honest. Um, she is just quite something, isn't she? So, what's the news? Just before we news? went live... What's the news? Just before we went live on here, I was in a completely different mood to how I was when I just first came on here, because I, the, trying to deal with my anger towards her comment, which is so, so obvious in its dog whistling to try and create, I think, real anger and violence at the march. It's interesting. That is what she is trying it's interesting. to do. She's the, it's the, 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 the rhetoric coming out of government is more provocative than a few, let's remember this, a few protesters somewhere having had some argy-bargy in amongst hundreds of thousands when every single Arsenal match, let's, let's use them as an example, there's always violence, but who would call for Arsenal not to play football? And as you said the other night, how many people were arrested at the firework display in um, Glasgow? Yeah. You know, this, yes, there were some idiots last Just Saturday. Just as there were some Gooners but, idiots, but there were some I, Arsenal idiots. I was at the march... And it was a peaceful march. I was just talking to my parents about it. It was a peaceful march. It was a sad march. Mm. It was a desperate, a feeling of desperation 
to um, stop, you know, the the uh, the almost non-stop bombing of Gaza because of the in the humanitarian crisis that is going on right now, and they, across the world, people are marching and calling for an end to this. Mm. And we have Suella Braverman saying... Mark, have you got the actual... It's on my phone. Just go to, go to Instagram. Um, saying Instagram? that... Um, that it, it, what was it? Thugs? Well, anyway, look, let, me, let me just... Whilst you find it, so the Metropolitan I'll Police the have, have requested that the organisers of the Palestinian march uh, don't march, and the Palestinian organisers of, of the... or the organisers of the Palestinian march have said this... We are deeply concerned at the statement released by the Met Police with regards to our proposed march on November the 11th. We've been meeting with the police regularly in the past few weeks to maximise public safety in the large-scale protests we've been organising. These protests have brought in total over one million people to the streets of London marching peacefully, calling for a ceasefire. And let's just reiterate again for any sort of Arsenal fans out there who are kind of wanting to kick off about the idea that maybe 10 people caused some kind of fracas. More violence, more aggro happens at every single football match. And this is, we're talking about over a million people. We met earlier today, say the organisers of the march, with the police to finalise the route details of the planned march on Saturday, going from Marble Arch to the US Embassy, which is nowhere near where Senator. any of the Senatov mm. uh, sort of commemorations are happening well away from the centre of London and Whitehall and if you know London it's well away from from that area at that meeting the police made clear as reaffirmed in the statement that the marches we had organized had been overwhelmingly peaceful with that low levels of arrest overwhelmingly peaceful Suella Braverman's statement and this is on Natasha Devon's um, Instagram she's posted this I welcome this statement from the Met Police the hate marchers need to understand that decent British, British people have had enough of these displays of thuggish intimidation and extremism. How dare you? How dare you? That is the most... I, I mean, I'm just so upset about that. As I said, I was at the march on Saturday. I'll be at the march this Saturday. I also believe it's happening Natasha at a Devon, time, yeah. Natasha Devon said that she goes into LBC every Saturday to do her show and she has been through the march every Saturday and it has been peaceful. There's been no sense of threat, no nothing. What this is, I just pray that that march stays stays as peaceful, peaceful as it has been because I think, um, I think there's a lot of people that have been trying to agitate it to not be that because they want to make their narrative the truth because so far it hasn't been the truth. Cambo asks a, a reasonable question. Apologies for my lack of knowledge here, I don't mean to offend, but what is marching on a Remembrance Day going to achieve other than aggro? I think that's a fair question because I think, the, let me just, the, the reason I think, it, no one has planned to march on Remembrance Sunday. I think, no. that, I think this, is a mis, this is a misconstruing of what's mm. happening here. What's clearly been happening due to the unfortunate timing of the atrocity that happened on October the 7th, let's not, let's not forget, which ignited this, this current scenario, right? Um, is that it happened on October the 7th, which was only a month ago, and the decimation of Gaza continues as, as, as we speak. So, I, and I think the plan was always just to march every weekend. Every, every, uh, every Saturday. Every Saturday. Mm. Uh, and, 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 that's just and that's gathered steam as a kind of humanitarian sort of 
urge, if you like. And I think it's just unfortunately coincidental that, you know, if this had all happened, I mean, how can we talk about this? If this tragedy, if the 9-11 of Israel had happened six months earlier, we wouldn't have this potential clash of two things. I think what's happened here is it's just coincidental. I think it's unfortunate. I think there's no, I don't, I don't see a tug of war between the sentiment between both things either. What I don't understand is that the actual sense and sensibility of armistice for me, my grandparents in the mm. war and my sense of the history of the country, I've been a huge advocate of, of continuing to remember World War I veterans, even though none of them are, long, are any longer with us. You know, I think the idea around, you know, remembering all of, not just actually remembering something isn't just about remembering the British because so many British mm. casualties and veterans weren't just British. Mm. Um, and, and for me, it's about a collective sort of, healing it's a mindfulness moment for everyone to look at the consequences of war to look at their experiences of war and to hopefully avoid the catastrophic consequences and to pray for of war peace. and i would have thought a i would have march. thought with a compassionate leadership there would be a way of skewing this and saying wow let's encourage a peaceful uh, sort of not protest a peaceful gathering for israel a peaceful gathering for the palestinians and a peaceful gathering for, art, for, for everyone wanting to commemorate, you know, uh, the fallen. It strikes me there's a lot more in common than what this government and Suella Braverman specifically is wanting to actually cause here. The only person causing aggro is Cruella. To call it a now. hate march incites hate. She is the one who is disrespecting the day when she says that. And I think she's actually suggesting to people who want to get violent on a certain part of the area, in a certain area, to get But I think she's actually saying I, I, that. I, I'm just, I do. Yeah, yeah. And I think what she'll then do with that is, if any violence... Here, let me guarantee you this. The reason people I guarantee think it's... You this. The, people, the reason people think it's disrespectful is because she has kept on calling it a hate march. Yeah. That's yeah, why. Yeah, yeah. And, and so it's actually her that has put the stain I, on this. I mean, I hope that goes somewhere. I mean, like Lee, uh, WM says, not a hate march, just poorly timed. Again, I think it's even happening at a different time. I think, I think people are being massaged into getting angry about something that one doesn't need to get angry about. Really. It, it, it's, it's the old red meat tactic yeah, of politicians. Yeah. Let's throw a bit of red meat over there so, so everybody runs over and roars on, Alison Barber. roars on the red meat. Alison Barber says, what does armistice mean? Ceasefire is totally relevant. And armistice is what we would like, everyone yeah. would like. I mean, think of the tragedy of what happened to those young men in World War I. We are remembering that that was a tragedy. So many sent to their death like they were nothing, you know? Like they were nothing, like they were just, like they were just fodder, brutal. Angela Thompson, you make a really valid point. This is a story that happened up in, in Scotland. This is not a football match. You wouldn't protest at someone's funeral. It won't end well. Did you see the 90-year-old poppy seller attacking it? it won't. Now, that, that was awful. The, the poppy seller, absolutely, at the, one of the stations, I think it was Edinburgh, who was remonstrating, got pushed over by someone at the Palestinian um, protest. It, the thing about this is, is that we can constantly find examples like that. For example, in America, which isn't getting as much coverage as, say, the anti-Semitism, a, a child and a mother have been savagely stabbed and attacked for being Muslim. You know, Islamophobic attacks are happening everywhere. The biggest, you could argue, is happening in Gaza. Um, but they are happening too, everywhere. There are examples of this on both sides of the equation. None of them justified, none of them excusable. But I think... 
we can always point to those moments as a reason to not allow something to happen. But that's just not how life... What, and, you know, people get knocked over by cars, but you don't say don't cross the road. I mean, it's an awful and fact. And also, don't, don't forget, That's we are, are supposed to be a democracy where the right to peacefully march is ours. And the Metropolitan Police have said that week in, week out, very low levels of arrest and overwhelmingly peaceful I think this is an interesting so, fact. That that's a very important quote from the Metropolitan yeah. Police. It's a big deal for the Metropolitan Police to, to say, say low that. levels of arrest. And I think it's low levels of arrest, of arrest especially given the size of the, the sheer number of people. So I, I think in many regards, if you want to get into the statistics, and let's get a little, I could, I could get a little bit kind of in my own spectrum-y way with this. Let's look at the statistics here. That actually, on average, these are possibly some of the most peaceful marches compared to almost any other kind of public protest that you've ever had, whether it be Brexit, poll tax riots, all this kind of stuff. There are so many things where you can point to violence. It's about where you're coming from and it's about what you want your end point to be on the argument. If you're anti-Palestine, then of course you're going to run towards anyone who's demonstrating violence towards anyone who's not you know, Palestinian, and if you're Palestinian, likewise, vice versa. I mean, you know, for example, a ludicrous quote that came through the, 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 the news yesterday was a leader of Hamas saying, we didn't target any, or we didn't hit any civilians. I mean, what utter nonsense. Of course mm. they did. I mean, you know, there's, you know, there's propaganda and there's, and there's idiocy and drivel coming from both, both sides. sides. But yeah. there is a disproportionate imbalance happening. There's an interesting, um, and I want to look into this more because I don't know the exact... Uh, uh, provenance of of the actual letter that the the, the, the bio accounts has been issued to uh, Netanyahu and the Israeli government. Apparently, the Israeli public haven't been given a full list of all of the missing people or or, or people who died in October the seventh. And there's a a real desire to know why some of the names aren't being released or why the full names of the hostages aren't being released. So, and this is coming from a number of people in Israel. This isn't anyone else's demanding this. Apparently, there's a huge uh, demonstration and there's a huge demand for clarification on what's actually happened. I think there's a feeling in some quarters in Israel that the clarity of the situation around October the 7th is so shrouded in mystery that they are worried, actually. And there's an increasing number of Israeli Jewish um, citizens who aren't even necessarily left-wing and therefore just anti-Netanyahu who are saying, hang on a minute, what is this war being fought on behalf of? Because we don't know the full facts mm. yet. And that's not to say what happened didn't happen. It did. But, you know, it's like, let's have a... I think there needs to be more transparency. And I think this just trusting what we're being told from one side uh, when you can just just look to the West Bank. I mean, you only have... The weird thing is there's a whole different conflict happening in the West Bank my right mom, now. Because I spoke to my mum and dad today that in Jordan, apparently it's just horrendous, the West Bank. What's yeah. going on in the West Bank? I mean, people are being picked when... off, shot, sniper. People's homes are being raided, uh, you know, requisitioned, taken away from them. And it's happening, apparently, in, in any normal one-year period, there's something like three sort of settling incidents. And at the moment, I think there's something like 18 every day. So what's happened in the West Bank is there's a sudden surge of trying to, I think, grab a little bit more, which is illegal. I mean, this is illegal. And unless we call that out, which Obama did, uh, which... When people took, it's, it's almost like if you were at the dinner party we were talking about earlier and everyone's sort of like, this is awful what happened to Israel. This is awful what's happening and you, you're imbalanced. And then someone mentions the illegal settlements. Everyone goes like this. <laughs> Don't mention, but that's the Where's very- Where's that gonna get us? That's the very, that's at the heart of the matter. That's at the heart of the matter. You know, so I, I don't know, it's, it's just, 
I, again, it's that thing of, you, you could argue, absolutely, wouldn't it be good if we weren't having this collision course of Armistice Day and this, but what this Armistice Day issue is more for me, what I look at when I look at it in the press is, oh, wow, this is the government really wanting to whip up uh, a sort of inability to oppose what's going on by Israel. And I think we are now at 31 days. We want to rescue the hostages. We want to know who all the hostages are. We want to get them out. We want to, we want to stop the bombardment for both sides of the equation. We're imagine 30 imagine days your in. family is one of those hostages and your, uh, your and Netanyahu is bombing, carpet bombing. How terrifying. Mm. For you, if your if your family member is one mm. of those hostages, mm. when he is, you know, I've said this before. Apparently, he is completely able to know exactly where a Hamas leader is at any point. An ambulance, a school, a hospital. We absolutely know that there was a Hamas leader in that ambulance. That's why we blew that ambulance up. Yes, there were a lot of children in that school, but we did give them the chance to leave. But we had to blow it up because there was a Hamas leader in there. Why not use that same surveillance, that same incredible intelligence that they have, intelligence resources, to find the hostages? That, it's, it's horrific for the Israeli families who are watch, watching that, as, as Netanyahu said, Gaza must be, must be reduced to ruins. And he's saying that with his people in there as well. And that's why this, these marches across the world are about bringing peace. There's enough hate going on. It's not about creating hate. It's about stopping this. Hospitals now, doctors are saying, and the reason I say the Canadian doctors, the Swiss doctors, the French doctors, is because if I say the Arab doctors, I know that a lot of people won't believe that. Which is, but we, but, tr but we have to trust everything Israeli government But if, But it is all there. It is all there for to see. And there are the Canadian doctor, you can look at it on Instagram, and he is standing and he's giving a press conference. He said, there is nothing more horrendous than, than amputating children's limbs without anesthetic the doctors there are saying that now they're operating they have nothing to clean they they and immediately there are flies and worms on the wounds the marches are asking for that kind of hell on earth to stop mm. and anybody that takes umbrage with that has to look into their heart and ask them who are you Listen. that you wouldn't that you wouldn't want there to, 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 for this to stop. Also, I mean, you know, behind, the, behind the scenes, there are so many other things going on that are just being ignored. Like, so for example, the Qatari, you know, Qatar uh, government or, you know, leadership, they, they, they have been negotiating in the background to try and release some hostages. You know, the rights and wrongs of all of that, you can, you can debate. I mean, what, there was a point many year, for many years, everyone, uh, you know, would scream, you cannot negotiate with the IRA. They're, they're a terrorist cell, they're a terrorist organisation. So they had the political wing, which was Sinn Féin. And, and eventually, you know, OK, it's a fragile piece, it's not a complete piece, but it's certainly better than it was when I was young. You know, only by having dialogue and conversation. In fact, I was related to someone who was key, key, a key part of the Good Friday Agreement. He was one of the senior, most senior uh, intelligence service personnel, relative, 
um, who was one of Tony Blair and Jack Straw's right-hand men who negotiated that peace deal. And his line to me on that was way back when, when it was, you know, was you, you unfortunately, you have to negotiate. You have to negotiate. And for me, it just strikes me that we're at a point now where there are other actual Arab nations that are willing to go into this and negotiate for the hostages. They're, this isn't Arab nations going, just call a ceasefire, stop, so that Hamas can rearm and we can have the same crisis again. Jordan doesn't want millions more, can't afford to have millions more um, you know, refugees. Egypt doesn't want the same thing. You know, why should they? This is a country where these people you know, live. So it isn't just born of the Arab world anti... All the Arab nations actually around Israel are in their own ways trying to help this situation. They also know what their populations are feeling. Israel would be really well guided to just say, you know what, right, we've got to a certain point. Let's start. I mean, this is what's going to happen. There has to come a stop to it we'll at some to, point. Because what's the plan after? And at the point that there's a pause, everyone in the West will suddenly be jumping around going, we asked for this, wanting awards. Yeah, and everyone will choose to forget the atrocities that we are currently seeing. And, and that's the way it's going to rumble. At some point... America will suddenly go, we managed to secure the, the ceasefire. Yeah, they will. You watch. You <laughs> yes, watch. Yes. Down the line. It's so predictable. When, when you know, yeah. <laughs> just but keep... meanwhile, just be really yeah. mindful when a government is describing something in the way that Suella, be just mindful of our own democracy, because that is trying to manipulate. And this isn't anti-Tory. So Even Rishi Sunak was trying to put distance between himself and her comments about being homeless being a lifestyle choice. Even Rishi went, I can't sign up to this. Well, I mean, so, what you know, the it, hell? It, there's something about Suella that's particularly. I think, I think, I don't think I've ever uh, seen a politician with more hate in their heart. It's astonishing, isn't it? She, she just like. She's a smiling just, assassin. She just only, she's got one group of people that she is playing to. <laughs> Did someone say Mark and supports that is the Emma, wealthy? <laughs> Dear Hearts had to say, I don't think Mark supports. I do not support Hamas. Are you having a laugh? <laughs> a hideous terrorist organisation. You know what? Trying to act, trying to intellectually understand why people turn to extremism. No one supported the IRA, but there was a reason why the IRA. Eventually, you know, they had to get to a place where they had discussions. Yeah, that's the because point. to just not discuss it means that you've got decades of hate and war. Ha listening to both sides. <laughs> And the own, you know, we have umbrage with the Israeli government policy. We have umbrage with the Hamas policy. But what we really care about and what we really talk about on here is the human beings who are just trying to live their lives, whether that is the Israeli person that has been taken hostage, whether it is the Gaz Gazaian child who's lost every mm. single member of their family, we are coming from a human place. Natasha Milchin, Mark, I love you, but when you say you're con you aren't condoning October the 7th, you are in a way when you say it didn't come out of nowhere. No, I'm not. He's not. No, I'm not. I'm not condoning any violence whatsoever. But look at history, and unless you look at history and understand where extremism comes from, it will only keep happening again and again and again. How do we There is stop no justification. We named it and we called it for what it was, which was Israel's 9-11. It was a catastrophic, awful moment. It was a shock. It was a, it was a terrible... We sat here and cried with you it guys. Was, it was horrendous. Images, but the point is, is that, and, you know, we've got to a point now where I tell you what, what Israel is now doing is going to make the possibility of this happening again happen again because it's so, it's so relentless.
You know, they, they, there are kids and families coming out of the rubble so who are going to ask, where are all of our families? And right. what, is gonna, what is a great mobiliser for hatred than that? I mean, it does, that's not intellectually complicated. So it's, it's not really a justification. Not. It's the most abhorrent. And I just said a minute ago, the idea that Hamas can, can come out and say we haven't killed civilians or don't kill it's civilians ludicrous. is an absolute farce. It's ludicrous. So many members hear of Hamas us, are... Hear us yeah. and know us. Hamas what is are, our intention yeah, here? Our yeah. intention is our intention is to care for human <laughs> beings. It's the politicians that are manipulating everybody that we feel really strongly mm. against. It's not the populations of either of those two two countries, two places. It, it's it's not the policies, all. the policies Hamas. of America, the policies of Israel. That's what's that's what's breeding hate. And Hamas is a hideous articulation of that. A hideous articulation of that. A terrorist organisation. Got no, no problem with all calling them for what they are. Doing terrorist things. But I think we can sometimes forget that state-sanctioned behaviour, simply because it's happening through a government, through a government and with an armed forces, doesn't mean it's not creating terror. terror. And everyone in Gaza is being terrorised. There's you no, no choice about it. And also, yeah. just a final point on this. Mm. Hamas, you know, for any, any potential Arsenal fans here, Hamas do hide behind civilians. They do do that. But that isn't a reason to keep blowing up more and more civilians. There has to be another strategy. That's not the only... So if that's the only solution, there's an argument there to blow everything up. We go back to the same analogy. If you had a Hamas terrorist in an Israeli school... Or hospital. Taking, you know, ..taking hostages or a hospital, would, would Israel and the West say, bomb the entire hospital? No. no, neither should they. Equally, we're saying the same thing vice versa. If there is a Hamas, an unforgivably, unspeakably evil Hamas terrorist underneath a hospital where there are innocents, that is a hideous thing. That's not what you... You, that's, don't you bomb, can't do You just that. don't bomb the hospital. You that's not that. the answer. No, it's not. Imagine if it's your family in there. Hamas do not want a two-state solution. You're absolutely right. Hamas, that's what I'm saying. Hamas are... The only solution here is a two-state solution. That is the only solution. But the way to get there isn't, isn't either attacking Israel in the way that Hamas did or bombing the shit out of Gaza. And what I'm saying is October the 7th, has also happened, because this is a narrative that the Israeli government, not Israeli Jews, all over the world there are Israeli Jews clamouring and fighting against this policy that's and being conducted by Israel. And putting themselves in real danger, incredibly yeah, yeah. brave people. Being called, how could, they're being called anti-Semitic when they're... When they're I, I saw an old woman yesterday, she lost her entire family, very old woman, she lost her, whole, her entire family in Auschwitz and she was out campaigning. And the police were trying to take her board from her. They were saying they were going to arrest her for what she was saying. And, you know, there are, there are many people with a heart are wanting this to stop, you know, on both sides and all sides. Nobody wants to see any innocent person. But, but I will, and I will, I, and I, will for, I will forever reiterate, I will forever reiterate, just for clarification, Natasha, just finally. October the 7th, didn't happen in a vacuum. That's that's all one that is, is saying. That is not. That is not condoning Hamas. it. And unless we pause and look to what is now, I mean, just look at what's happening in the West Bank, and you'll understand where the aggravation is coming from. Stop that. You stop radicalization. Stop that. 
it, it, you, you potentially stop radicalization. Stop bombing lots of children in pursuit of one Hamas terrorist under a, under a building, you may stop radicalization. There are different ways of achieving the same end, which is no repeat of the awful atrocity that was October the 7th. That's what we're saying. It's a, it's a bit more of a complicated thought than a headline on the front of the Telegraph. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. It's too easy to just say, if you speak for anyone that is innocent, then you speak for yes. Hamas. It's, it's, it's not fair on us because that's not what we're saying. And no. we've never said that and we've never come from that position. No. So, you know, be fair when you listen to us. Hear our passion. Know us. A lot of you have been here a long time and know where we are coming from. And on that, have a lovely day. And we will see you tomorrow because we're here every day. Take care, guys. Lots of love. Bye.